Hey, I'm Aldwin. And I'm Jason. And this is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. Why I didn't get excuse me? Can you talk louder so everyone can hear you asking me about my drugs? I mean, if we had Hawkeye, you would be so freaking embarrassed right now. Well, how come they can say whatever they want to me? Oh, it's all talent. I don't worry. I'll just sit on the couch. I don't want to look like I am I gonna be his boyfriend. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Aldwin. And this is your latest and greatest and perhaps best episode because we have the freshest and brightest and newest of news. Wow, look at all of those superlatives you just <laughs> threw in there. I thought you were going to say, uh, we're here and we're queer. I mean, <laughs> that would be a repeat of last week. <laughs> but this week we have new stuff to talk about. We have, oh my God. Like yesterday when we were going over the prep for today's episode, were you not just overwhelmed with how much newness we're going to throw at these people today? It's about the newness and the realness this it, week. Yeah. <laughs> there is so much going on in the tennis world. So we're really pumped to get you up to speed and give you our takey-take-take. I know. It's it's exciting. Like, tennis is back on television and... Television? <laughs> television. And it's just so exciting. Yeah. It, for me, it was back on YouTube because <laughs> uh, the TSN doesn't show the smaller tournaments. They had just signed the deal... And we were just about to get the WTA events before the COVID took it took it down. Oh man! But now we're back, and I have seen and looked ahead, and I have already begun to pre-tape Cincinnati. Wow! You know what? Before we get into it, I I've never asked you this question before, but I mean, I guess naturally this is a good fit for you and I because I watch mostly WTA. Don't even think about watching any ATP matches but because of you I watch more men's tennis like do you will you go and seek out and watch WTA matches or are you mostly all about the boys I will watch all of it I wouldn't necessarily seek it out before because I find it convenient to see it on the television and pre-record it and then be able to vet and watch the matches that I want to watch mm-hmm. um, and now with the bigger tournaments coming back and since he is sort of a more premier event I think on the WTA calendar it yeah. will be on the TSN and there are two channels one has ATP and one has WTA so I can watch both wow how convenient uh-huh that's amazing speaking of Convenient. I don't know how convenient this is at all or how good of a segue this is. But last Monday, we started doing some work. Uh, by work, we mean working on the social media <laughs> to promote our what was to be upcoming episode on yeah. the one, the only Monica. Yes. And something sort of organically started to happen That where that's... we were. Yeah. Sorry, I just I, I heard you say the word and it's just the perfect word to describe how all of this evolved. 
And I think, I mean, in terms of our podcast, like organic is the perfect word to describe how everything's kind of evolved for us. But yeah, it definitely evolved organically. And some, we may say, evolve orgasmically. Organic or... <laughs> or we may be causing <laughs> orgasms for some people or, while they listen. Organic orgasms. I like it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we started doing some promo Monday morning for our episode. And part I don't know how, how, how it sort of came to be. I think I was posting um, some congratulatory stories uh, about Eugenie because she had just won her first round match as a qualifier. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not a qualifier, as a wild card. Yes. In Prague. Yeah. And you, in your luxurious vacation in Grand Bend, started to get involved as well because uh, lest we forget we had a little friendly competition going that's right so i'll tell you how it evolved organically for me last monday so jay was in toronto hard at work at his job he was posting stuff on our ready play tennis podcast ig stories and as i was on the beach you know just flipping through our ig i'm like this girl is working hard on our podcast like what the fuck am i doing on the beach literally on my fifth drink like hammered to hell like on the beach with my friends and i'm like you know what let me and admittedly yes if we roll it back to remind everyone jay and i had a challenge that we issued to each other for our O canada um episode you know calling out to vashek jay's goal was to get vashek on the show first my goal was to get genie on the show first and like you know what let me get up from this beach chair mosey on over to the water (laughs) antonio my one of my best friends was in the water in that freaking gay unicorn floaty and i was like girl let's do a video because i just need to get up in this ig game because jason is doing his job making me feel like i'm not doing a damn thing so i recorded a video and i'm like let me do a recording out to genie being like girl come on the show (laughs) (laughs) and And it was you did it so well because you did two stories and they're all people who know instagram they're like 15 seconds each but you ended with come on our show like near the 15 seconds so it was sort of the perfect uh snippet for her to be able to react yeah so you know obviously it had been a couple of times that jay and i well me more so because i'm the one that wants to get her on the show um it had been a couple of times now that i'd reached out to her and like i could see that she was watching our stories but not necessarily engaging or responding so i was like eh, we'll see we'll see what happens <laughs> and then lo and behold you want to share she doth you like to use that shakespeare eh? <laughs> <laughs> i am an english major <laughs> So yeah, to our surprise, Jeannie watched the story and not only did she watch it, but she shared it to her own IG story um, and spread it to all 2.1 million Instagram followers that she has. And she said, 100%, just tell me when. Yeah, like like not even 90%, not even like 95%. She was just like 100% girl. Just She's let like, me know. No pee, bitches. <laughs> so that's our exciting news, everyone. Jeannie Bouchard has agreed to come on our humble, organic, orgasmic podcast. <laughs> humble, organic, and orgasmic. I think she must be ready for, for what we have in store. 
Yeah. And you know what? I mean, I guess in our wildest dreams, I mean, maybe Jay, you can speak for yourself, but you know, when we started this Ready Play Tennis podcast, the idea of having a tennis player was, of course, something in the back of our minds, but never in my wildest dreams would I imagine having someone like Jeannie on the show. And, you know, since our since she first reshared our story on her IG, like there's been a couple of cute little interactions that, be, that we've had. Like, for example, I posted at, like in the immediate like following of her sharing our story i was like oh my god okay let's set up you know an ig story where we ask fans what question would you ask genie when she comes on our show and she corrected my grammar (laughs) (laughs) because i said something like you know you might get to hear and i spelt the word here h-e-r-e when in fact obviously it should be h-e-a-r and she was like bro it's H-E-A-R. Grammar is important to me. I'm like, oh, my God. Not only are you, like, coming on our show, but you're correcting my grammar. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. 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 No, I think it's exciting. She has, obviously, an interesting history, an interesting background, an early rise. She's got a huge following on Instagram. And I think what we're starting to learn about her either even from our interactions and just from seeing her is that you know she's more than just her social media so we hope to peel back the genie layers yeah you know like when she comes on the show we're gonna keep it light and fresh and cute and flirty and fun you know we want it i i agree with you i think that you know on our show with genie we obviously want to ask her questions that you know that everyone is kind of thinking of like you know, how does she feel coming back on tour, especially during this time of COVID? But like, you know, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about her and we just want to keep it cute and, and airy fairy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the all of that stuff was followed by just some great play from her as a wild card in Prague. Yes. Ooh, okay. You, you made up for that previous segue. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, listen, you said on last week's podcast, she was ranked 332. A lot of people questioned her dedication to the sport. And lo and behold, that girl showed up in Prague. Wild card, correct? She had a wild card. And she ended up beating uh, Kudermatova in the first round, Zidansek in the second. And when I heard the news that she beat Zidansek, they called it an upset. But I'm assuming only because Zidansek is ranked, well, obviously higher than 332. But I'm like, who is this girl? And then she lost in three tough sets to Elise Mertens. Yeah, and I think it's important to just acknowledge how she was playing. She was hitting the ball early. She was hitting the ball hard she was coming in on on her shots and she was aggressive and it was just what we expected back in the day and, and you can see that she's been making improvements and she, all of that um, exhibition play that she was doing and the team tennis play that she was doing has certainly seemed to pay dividends and, and perhaps even a lot of the doubles play that she was doing yeah like I when I was watching her match against Mertens I literally like was like rubbing my eyes being like is it is this 2014 like have i suddenly gone into a time machine and ended up in 2014 where she made two slam finals and two slam finals right i keep on making the mistake two slam finals and two she semis made one she made one slam one. final and two semis dang anyway she's playing amazing so kudos to her mm-hmm. and uh you know 
she just took on a new coach so there could be something to that relationship which will uh, suss out as well yeah does that do you know who she's co- who who's coaching her right now yeah the 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 spunky little australian <laughs> first it's the spunky american bethy remember <laughs> right yeah yeah we're not calling her bethany we're just calling her bethy <laughs> bethy <laughs> but yeah it's renee 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 stub stub y'all stubs yeah <laughs> i it's a um, plural stubs <laughs> <laughs> Not Renee Stubb, it's Renee Stubbs. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I was so happy to hear that she was um, getting coached by her. And my immediate thought, you know, I guess what I didn't know was that Jeannie actually is now based out of Nevada. And everyone knows that Steffi Graf and Andre Agassi live in Nevada. And I guess, Jay, you, had, you were telling me earlier that, you know, it just would have seemed natural that Renee would have been the like the or those two Steffi and Andre would have been the reason why they ended up connecting with Renee with Jeannie yeah I mean I just wondered if they were socializing and if Jeannie was maybe getting some tips from both of them but who knew they were going to get a coach or she was going to get a coach out of it yeah she's got she's got a new coach she's got a new game or a reinvigorated game and Jeannie's ready to win some titles again I think yeah, and you know the the winning is gonna happen as soon as she comes on our podcast. Yes, I know. Oh my <laughs> god, uh, she can be like, honestly, the Ready Play po- Tennis podcast was the icing on the cake before she ended up winning the Australian Open twenty twenty one. Yeah, in front of fifty percent fans. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. So there were other tournaments that have happened, not just that one, but two others. Before we get into that, you wanted to make a little correction. (laughs) Okay, no one is perfect, and I am definitely very far from that. But on last week's episode where we talked about mental health, um, I mentioned a Canadian uh, tennis player, Rebecca Marino, but I consistently called her Rebecca Manorino because I confused what's one of the ATP players last names is Manorino I think it's a he's a French player so my apologies I'm sorry Rebecca if you're listening I try to message you on IG to you know send out an ab- apology but yeah the correction is that it's Rebecca Marino and not Manorino she didn't respond to you because she listened and she's too upset yeah she's sad she's sad sorry I know I don't want to add to your mental health, but <laughs> it's okay. Get over it. It's I, fine. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that's the least of her concerns. Uh, so there were tournaments in Prague, which we've just talked about, and the lovely Simona Halep was the victor there in the final against yeah. Mertens, who who was who defeated Eugenie, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Halep later. Uh, do you want to run through a bit of the? Palermo event before we get into the Lexington, Kentucky? Yes. So last week when we uh, dropped our episode, we were in the middle of the Palermo event, which was the first WTA tournament since the lockdown. And TBH, there's a player, her name is Pharaoh. She ended up up being Contavite, who's the number fourth seed at the tournament. And this was Pharaoh's second title. But yeah, a lot of those seeds fell in that tournament. So good for Pharaoh for taking advantage. And yeah, that was that. Yeah, and then in Lexington, 
the the thread continued because all of the seeds fell there too. I know. Well, before before we reveal the winner, like let's just remind our audience, all of you in Norway. No, you know I shouldn't even say that anymore. Like there's a bunch of you that are listening. So shout out to everybody. But yeah, there were some big seeds up in there. There was. Um, uh, Serena, Venus was there, Azarenka was there, Kennan was there, Sloan was there. So there's a lot of like heavy hitters. And Kennan was the, there? I didn't know that. Yeah, Kennan. Yeah, I believe Kennan was there. No, sorry, oh. Coco Goff. That's my mistake. Coco Goff was there. Yeah. Yeah. Cuckoo and for Coco Puffs. Cuckoo for Coco Goff. <laughs> and un- unfortunately, for every tournament organizer, it's their worst nightmare when two top seeds or two sort of high-profile players compete in early rounds. So Azarenka and Venus went head-to-head. Yeah. Then Venus and Serena fought in the next round. Yeah. Did you did you end up watching any of those um, uh, any of those highlights? I watched highlights of Venus and Serena and then I watched highlights of Serena and Shelby. <laughs> Are you laughing fresh. because I'm pouring my drink? <laughs> I can't I watched avoid highlights. it. <laughs> we, you know, we we occasionally have cocktails every time we do an episode. Yeah, <laughs> occasionally every time. <laughs> uh, yeah, occasionally. See, you saw that. <laughs> uh, I watched highlights of Layla destroying Sloane. Mm-hmm. Like. And what did you, her. I mean, just curious what you thought about, like, just like the quality of the tennis in general, may, and maybe more like the quality of Venus's game, for example. Yeah, I think you have more to say about Venus's game in terms of her working on a few things during her break and improving her fitness. So I'm going to leave that that part to you because I think, you know, you love her. She's your third favorite player. <laughs> I'm so happy you remembered. <laughs> As we learned from a previous episode. Yes. So, okay. Honestly, overall, I felt like the level of tennis was high. You know, considering that these girls haven't played um, professional matches in months, you know, they have been retune- refining their game, retuning a couple of things. And honestly, most notably for me, and just maybe because Venus is my third favorite tennis player of all time, Venus literally came to Lexington with a completely new game. Like, everyone knows her serve is a nightmare. Um, her forehand is this, the shot technically that can go off but it also can be her best shot and most powerful and you know most punishing but that girl arrived in Lexington and she had a new serve and she had a new forehand and um, she recently partnered with a new coach and the coach has kind of taught her how to be if it's possible more loose on both shots so she was way more fluid she had more of a whippy forehand tons more topspin and I have not seen Venus look this good in a long freaking time. So it was nice to see. And tell, so tell me what's different about her serve. So her serve, if you remember, like if you think about Venus and her serve, there's a lot of moving parts to her serve. Like she has a weird hitch. You know, she does this weird thing with her head where she cocks it back or something when she tosses the ball. You know, she's she's had um, consistently... Uh, 
a consistent issue with her ball toss and watching her serve now her toss her whole motion is abbreviated so there's less moving parts and it's more of a fluid motion are you asking because you want to do the same thing with your servant and i should do with mine <laughs> <laughs> so we should call up her her new coach and get some yeah tips. <laughs> yeah 100 percent. but i do re- remember that about her serve it was a bit hitchy on the toss so um it led to just you know the ball going in different directions and some sometimes her having to sort of chase it as it were yeah like her toss honestly is so everything about her service motion now is smooth as butter and it's much shorter so it's good it's honestly good to see like she's 40 and she could still make a run at a slam that's crazy to say but i mean that's 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 the last thing that we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah. I was, so I was going to say like, this is obviously the first, well, I mean the, for the WTA, but like, you know, we watched UTS over the summer, like these tournaments that just took place in Lexington, Prague and Palermo. Like, did you, what were your like general feelings about it? Like, were you excited to watch? Did you find that it was less exciting? Cause there was no fans. Like, what did you think? No, I think generally I was excited for tennis and professional tennis, which, you know, had stakes compared to what we perceived the other events to be more exhibition-y and the UTS to be a bit more fun and trying out new, you know, new rules and new point systems and playing let chords and all that. So it was nice to sort of get excited about tournaments where we knew there was some stakes and I I don't know that I necessarily thought about whether fans were going to be there I think I was interested to to experience what it was going to be like at an actual tournament where there would be no fans Mm -hmm. the two the pro the two European tournaments felt more tournament tournament like yes compared to Lexington where you know it just felt like you were at a regular outdoor tennis club with the fences <laughs> and the the big signage and the hoarding you know we we could have been hanging out at that club and if we would have seen serena or venus on the court beside us it would have been no big deal <laughs> like we could have been at that club yeah like as if howard park and the west end hosted were to host a tournament that's that was the yeah, feel no exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly but you know they had the the more um high profile players i guess in terms of you know having three former number ones and four grand slam uh champions so you know they did a good job getting people to a club that you and i could play at yeah i i have to say the same thing like i was actually more obviously interested in like the quality of the tennis as opposed to you know what the atmosphere felt like without fans i mean i I felt it was just as competitive. I was just as intrigued, you know, especially with the matchup between Serena and Serena and Williams, <laughs> Serena <laughs> and Venus, which was their 31st, you know, head to head. You know, I just I got into it just as if they were playing in front of a crowd of 50,000. So it was mm-hmm. good. It was good to know that you could have that feeling during this time. Yeah, and it, I I got the same sense when I watched, you know, the semifinal between Coco and uh, Jennifer Brady like they were really <laughs> into it and they 
clearly wanted to win uh, and they felt like there were things at stake and for the eventual champion miss jennifer brady it was her first title yeah remember we watched her last year at the rogers cup yeah that was a good match she took a set from Halep before uh losing but yeah it was a it was a good match and congrats to her yeah i i always liked her personality she rem- I remember watching her match with you last year as we were drinking. <laughs> you, you guys can tell now that all of our fans of the Ready Play Tennis podcast, drinking is a common theme. <laughs> we like to enjoy a beverage. <laughs> so we were having our lovely Peronis last year at, at the Rogers Cup. And um, yeah, Jennifer Jennifer Brady was just so much fun to watch. She would like talk to the crowd. She would make comments out loud. Those are kind of those are the kinds of players that I enjoy watching because <laughs> because they let you in. Like you know, we talked about this in the Serena episode. Like you know, you kind of like that they play a little bit to the crowd as well. You know, and like let you in into your into their head while they're playing the match. So I'm happy for her. Mm-hmm. I am happy for her too. She was very sort of um, emotional during the points, and she, you could tell she clearly wanted to win. She was playing very aggressively, and she just sort of outpounded Coco in that match on her way to the final. So, yeah. congrats. Yay. Congrats, Jennifer. Claps all around. Yeah. So, you know, it's great that we have three tournaments under under our belt here with the WTA. It was interesting to sort of see the players come on the court with the masks on and leave the court with the masks on, you know, accepting the trophies with the masks on, doing the post-match interviews with the masks on or physically distancing, I think was more the theme at the Lexington event. But I think all of those events need to sort of set that good example. Mm -hmm. And hopefully there's sort of a, a standard that all of these tournaments plan to set. I know they all are run by different organizers, but it would be nice if they sort of communicated with each other and they all had the same plan for how they were going to run those, those elements of, you know, promoting safety and health of players and all of that. Yeah, they, I agree with you a bazillion percent. The, those tournaments set an excellent example and you know, from what we've been seeing from the players, IGs, and their stories, those that have headed into the quote-unquote bubble, because as we know, the Western Southern Cincy Tournament is starting this coming Saturday, and then right after the U.S. Open, you know, they've been following the same procedure. So it's been it's been good following of protocol all the way around. Have they been using a special hashtag? Uh, no, they haven't. We should start a hashtag. <laughs> like, they haven't been using a special hashtag, but, like, entering the bubble is what I have here in my notes. All the players should, like, everyone's talking about entering the bubble. Like, goodbye, we're not going to see you in, like, like for another month. <laughs> Unless we get knocked out of the first round. Then we'll see you in a week and a half. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, a lot of the players are now... You know, we follow a lot of these different players on their Instagrams and they're all posting their flight photos on planes heading to New York, hashtag US Open or tagging at the US Open. And they're now all practicing in on the the main court or they're on the practice court. So I'm sure you've been seeing a lot of those sorts of clips. 
Yeah, I actually, in addition to like, you know, entering the bubble and, um, you know, other IGs of taking flights over to the US Open, um, you, we talked a little bit yesterday about our friend, well, not our friend, but I like to think of our friend, Diego Schwartzman, <laughs> and his IG <laughs> post being like, do you want to talk about that? Because I think that's freaking hilarious. Yeah, so, you know, he got a little... Um, criticism i think people are going to be excited to a certain extent when they have to take their test and they test negative because obviously it doesn't it means they they won't end up in the k nishikori category Mm -hmm. do you see that alliteration wow you i'm i am never i'm always impressed with how you can how you can pull that english shit together (laughs) yeah well it comes from the fact that i'm an English grad and a communications grad. And don't forget, everyone, he also took Kumon in grade nine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so he put on his Instagram that he was negative for his first test, and he used, like, the, the muscle emoji or, like, the <laughs> bicep emoji and the tennis ball emoji and, like, an eyeball emoji. <laughs> uh, so... He's either looking at his biceps or looking at his test and then flexing because he did a good job. But you need to do a good job the whole time that you're there by staying in the bubble and not effing around. So just yeah. because you got one I mean, test doesn't mean you can be happy because you're going to get tested, I think, probably every like, 48 hours. Yeah, just expect to have that cotton sw- that long-ass cotton swab thrust up your nose and yeah the testing is going to be consistent but um i thought yeah i just i just thought that was funny and you know i think we just we should because we (laughs) did you and i discuss this yeah so i think there's a bit of um there's a bit of like positive shaming so people are like you know wanting to make sure that being negative isn't seen as something you should attain or but you know staying negative and staying safe is is important and it and that testing positive like our friend k is not something to shame someone for yeah now he won't be able to play i know you know what we talked about how you know i thought this would this obviously is going to put in to in jeopardy his participation at the u.s open but all of the articles that i have read about his testing positive um, mentioned that he was obviously out of the Western Southern for sure because the Western well, the Western Southern only takes a week, does it not? So I guess K is within that time frame of having to like self isolate for fourteen days. If he tests negative, then he would be allowed to play in the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it all depends on when he actually received his positive test, and I would assume that he has to receive two consecutive negative tests 48 hours apart to be able to participate Mm -hmm. okay i just wanted to throw in there um jason and i are one zillion percent obsessed with tom hill you know our um, love affair with tom hill started all the way in the middle of may when our when our humble organic orgasmic podcast started (laughs) you know we were we, we we did an episode talking about bots you know robots watching our insta stories and we called tom hill out for being one of those ig 
um, IGers that used robots to like roam the algorithm of IG so that he could get more followers. And then when we called that bitch out on it, he was like, I'm pretty sure I'm not a robot. So from that <laughs> point on, <laughs> from that point on, Tom Hill and I have been, Tom Hill and I, and oh my God, help me, help grandma. Tom Hill <laughs> and Jason and, and I, we have been, you know, we've been, and us, and us, thank you. We have been, um, <laughs> we have been kind of buddies, you know, we support his Wild Goats podcast and he's just been on this excited little, you know, little boy in the candy shop, IG story spree, you know, videotaping everything just to let everybody know Tom Hill is the coach of Maria Sakari from Greece and you know, he's been so excited to share his experience in the bubble, you know, showing uh, videos of all of his goodies that he received in his hotel room, um, taking taking videos of training sessions in Arthur Ashe. You know, he actually this morning took a video of himself eating like a beautiful quinoa salad, you know, watching <laughs> Djokovic get onto the practice court. And he was like, if y'all have any questions about the U.S. Open, send them my way. So... You know, I couldn't think of any at the time, but I'm sure Jason and I will think of some questions to ask you. But Tom, we wish you luck. Maria, we wish you luck. You guys have to come on our show because we love you, period. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't have said it better. I do want to know what they got up to in Monaco because it, it looked like they were having a good time there as well a week or two ago. And they were like, yeah, wait, Tom Hill was with Maria Sakari in Monaco training right before the U.S. Open. I think they were they were doing some training. Yeah. Okay. well, listen, Tom, I don't know how much how much more you what how much more you expect from Jason and I. But like we, you know, besides like getting on our hands and knees and begging you to come on our show. Actually, I just remember he did promise that he was going to come on. Come on now. He did. <laughs> he did. That girl did. Yeah, no, I believe you. I I haven't necessarily seen all of the chat, but I do think it would be very cool to have them both come on the show and we can hear about the sort of coach player relationship with both of them on the hot seat. Yeah. 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 So, I like that. And, you know, she's up and comer and she she looks fierce. Like her body is stacked. She looks like. A, like a fierce competitor like she's just so strong yeah like if she was if she was part of UTS number three she would be Aphrodite yeah exactly. cause she's <laughs> cause she's a Greek goddess see I'm yeah, smart I know some Greek goddess <laughs> I know some things <laughs> <laughs> so as we've entered the bubble we've heard a lot of people announce they've either you know, talked about blowing up and putting themselves in that bubble or they've popped <laughs> our bubble in terms of letting us know whether they're playing or not playing. Honestly, I'm, uh, again, thoroughly impressed. <laughs> That's a beautiful metaphor. Thank you so much. I mean, it, it wasn't that beautiful. It was pretty, like, strangely literal and awkward. But thanks for the kudos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. I know so many, so much news. It's either, what was that famous, um, oh, uh, reality TV show, Heidi Klum with the fashion. Do you remember? Project Runway. Project Runway. Remember their Mm -hmm. famous thing, either you're in or you're out. 
And yeah, so we're going to talk about who's in and who's out. Yeah, go ahead. You tell everyone as if they haven't heard already who's out of the <laughs> U.S. Well, Open. I think, <laughs> I think for, yeah. <laughs> I think I think Heidi Klum is out, though, according to Milos Raonic. What? I don't know if they're friends oh. anymore. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> oh, you know what? That, that would have anyway. been another set. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, considering those last pictures. That's a different that, segue, yeah. That's a different segue. We'll get to there, but everyone keep in your mind. We're going to talk about Milos in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're listening, please remind us because we might forget. <laughs> uh, okay. So do, <laughs> do you want, so do you want to talk about who, let's talk about who's out. So we learned a couple days ago that Benchich is out. Do we care about that? Yes. We, you know what we do? Because She's a Benchich, solid player. Yeah, and she made the semis last year of the U.S. Open, and it was two tight, tough sets that she lost to Bianca. It was something like seven five. She lost five seven six seven or something like that. So I mean, Ben. I think just... that match went to three sets actually. Really? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Fact check me. I'm gonna go ahead. Keep keep, keep going. Anyway, we do care about Benchich because Benchich is out, and like we love her. You know, so sorry, Benchich, but I guess you're one of those girls that is practicing for the French Open. Sorry, I have to take a burp. <laughs> Real classy, Aldwin. Um, next. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. I don't know. Well, Bi- okay. Let's start with Bianca. Bianca is out. Uh, defending champion. Um, let's. T- we have to talk about this a little bit because, you know, Jason and I find it really funny when players make their statements, like the kind of authenticity that, you know, that is underlying the the statements. And she started her message. Was it on her Twitter or, or on her IG? It was on her Instagram. I don't I, I assume she also posted something on Twitter that was similar, but I saw it on the Instagram. Yeah, she started off with the words "dear fans," and to Jason's like to Jason's point, <laughs> when I, I when I heard when I heard it, Jason said to me, "You know, anytime you start off a statement with dear fans, you know it's not fucking good." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's talk about this for a hot second. So, she after Nadal said that he was not playing, she made sure within like an hour or two that day to let us know that she was she was gonna play yeah i remember that yeah and then you know a few hot days go by maybe like two weeks and here we are sort of middle of last week and she tells us she has made the difficult decision to not play because she has not been able to get match ready and I had some feelings about that. You did have some feelings. Like, okay, well, do you want to tell us what your feelings yeah, are? Yeah, so, <laughs> Bianca, if you're listening, here's my feelings on this. Nobody at the moment is match ready. No one. Yeah, exactly. Not a one person. Not a one so person. So what the F? What the F, girl? You are the defending mofo champion. Yeah, like we didn't even see you pick up a racket. We didn't see you do a training session. You didn't do an IG story on none of that. And I mean, you have to you've left it up to speculation and, you know, whether or not the reason you're playing is, 
you're not playing is because of your like niggling inner in <laughs> energies injuries <laughs> so like what's really going on i mean we sent you that lamp like are you you know watching in a youtube k-hole like in your parents basement in thornhill like is that why you can't get up and do a practice like come on girl i you know i wonder in all seriousness i wonder if she just feels truly like she's not going to be able to compete to defend the title so she just doesn't want to do that or mm. she there is a risk of her you know re-injuring something that she's been dealing with whether it's the knee or the shoulder however match ready is not a good excuse in my opinion imo yeah i mean remember on our ig we're two friends one obsession zero filter if you don't like our opinion well too bad so sad but i agree with jason like no one is match ready like you got people going out there playing world team tennis we didn't see you do none of that so you know what like we're kind of mad at you right now but we love you but we're mad we're a little upset so Bianca, if you're listening we're a little we're a little at our wits end yeah so make it up to us by coming on our show <laughs> so the other player that's out which caused perhaps a more lengthy eye roll for me was Simona. Uh-huh. Simona's out. I know you see, you have very strong opinions about, about these players that have left it until the last minute to say that they're not participating. Well, yeah, she, so this has been like a two month ordeal where she's like, I'm not sure I'm going to wait and talk to my team you know, I'm going to see how things go. I want to make sure that things are safe. And, you know, I think what is really going on is, you know, she's only made it to the semifinal round once. Mm. She has horrible results there. Mm. So I think that's it's it's easy to sort of lean into the idea that, you know, I'm not sure it's safe and I want you know, to preserve my health and I want to stay in Europe. I think, you know, they there can be equal parts to those things, but I do think there is a good part of that decision that is because of the results that she's had at that particular event. Mm. Yeah, and you know, this girl grew up on clay and she's already won the French Open. So she probably said, she, I agree with you. I think that she was writing it out. She was telling everybody, yeah, guys, don't worry about me. I'm going to get on that plane. I'm going to play at US Open, blah, blah, blah. But meanwhile, in the back of her head, she's like, you know, she's rubbing her hands together. She's like, no one's going to come to the to Europe to play the clay court tournament. All of the Americans and Canadians are going to stay in North America. And I'm going to win. No, she she's not. She doesn't talk like that. What am I saying? <laughs> anyway, but, you know, I, that would definitely be in the back of my mind. And she probably made, yeah, she made the right decision for her. I just wish that she would have kind of, I mean, who am I to wish? But, you know, I just wish that maybe she would have made the de the decision to commit to Europe earlier. I don't know. Yeah, I think, you know, and after she won uh, Prague on Sunday, she, I think, told the media, I'm going to let everybody know my decision on the U.S. <laughs> Open tomorrow. And we all knew, girl. We knew. We knew. We, we knew. Could, we see right through you. Yeah, we see we see it in your eyes. We saw it in your splish splash in that Prague Lake or whatever <laughs> you were doing after you won your title. We knew we knew the answer. So 
we didn't need the two-part Twitter post to realize that you were not coming to the U.S. Open and you were going to focus on Rome and the French. Yeah. So, I mean, those are, I mean, three big names out, Bencic, Andreescu, and Halep. Let's talk about our girl from Japan, mm-hmm. who is still a big question mark. You want to talk about her? Our sunflower girl, Naomi Osaka. <laughs> where where she be? Why? Okay, where, okay, first of all, where are you? Jason seems to think you're in the United States somewhere. I thought you were in Japan. But, like, girl, why have you not said anything about you confirming your participation in the U.S. Open? You haven't played world team tennis. I haven't seen you up in an exhibition. All I see you doing is posting beautiful IG stories in the middle of, like, I guess their sunflower fields with, like, a dope, like, jacket on. Personally, I love her vibe. But, like, are you playing or not? Just let us know. Yeah. I mean, give us the real scoop. Email us at readyplaytennispodcast.gmail.com and let us know. Yeah. Because, like, girl, if you're gone, like, just give the trophy to Venus Williams. Right? I mean, just let us know. We, we are on the, uh, the edge of our seats. We want to know if you're participating. Mm-hmm. We want to know if you're going to be there, girl. Just talk to us. Yeah. Okay. Give us the scoop. Can, can, we just, can we just roll it back? I Even though I'm on my like third drink here, um, I remember that we originally talked about <laughs> whatever. I'm going to put it out there. We're, we talked about Milos Raonic talking about famous Canadians. We did look at her IG. She was in the Bahamas, was it? So she hasn't posted. <laughs> she <laughs> uh, Milos has not posted on his Instagram since Canada Day. But our friend Diego posted a photo uh. where they were physically distanced on a court. And, you know, Diego's a little nugget. He's like five, six. And, and Raonic is like you know flip the number six five six six mm. uh so they were doing like some finger thing and you know some finger they, thing they were doing like some <laughs> finger thing to sh- don't get <laughs> to me excited they- <laughs> <laughs> to show that they were physically distanced got it, got uh, it. between each other and you know i think what i learned from that photo <laughs> is that pro tennis players are not immune from the covid 15 <laughs> For, for all of you that don't know what the COVID-15 is, it's essentially the freshman 15. So you know how like when you go to college for the first year and you go away, you get, you gain 15 pounds. That happened with many people during quarantine because we were obviously stuck in our own homes and residences. So the only things that we could do other than watch Netflix were was eat the endless, you know, all of the soda crackers <laughs> in our pantry. <laughs> that girl looked big. He looked a little bit big. He, soda crackers were also consumed <laughs> with cheese whiz, I think, on that on that end. He looked, I mean, I asked Jason because, you know, as I mentioned, we prepped for the show yesterday and we looked at the picture together. I said, is it possible that it's the, the sunlight, you know, the Bahamian sunlight hitting his, you know, New Balance <laughs> athletic shirt? in the wrong way or is that like a punch that i'm like and some titties <laughs> i think it's a bit of a punch and you know we're not shaming anybody <laughs> no we we're we're shaming somebody who's uh well actually we're not shaming anybody we're just acknowledging the fact that as a professional athlete yes perhaps um there would have been time during this pause to you know continue training and continue playing and there's 
some moderate level of evidence that perhaps somebody took a break. Yeah. I mean, again, that's the very democratic way of saying it. And I have full, I like z- zero filter here because I have, you know, a paunch and titties. And I, as you guys know, I, I have a paunch and titties. I've been playing tennis every day like for the past two and a half months, like for like three or four hours every day. So I'm okay with like, I'm all for like body positivity. Like this is my body, etc. on all of that. But I don't, it's just so, it's so strange to see a top level athlete get to that point. I mean, anyway, we still love you, Milos, but you, you do look, you do look like you gain a little weight. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with ga- gaining that COVID fifteen uh, for for a tennis player. I think we, you know, we're just we're just here to make observations. That's it, part of our job as podcasters. Is he playing in the U.S. Open? He must be. I I think he I think he must be. I think you know that there's a whole the whole crew of of Canadian guys. I would assume are playing. I know Felix is already there. He's already had his COVID test. Uh, Dennis, I think, is playing, and I assume uh, Pospisil is also playing. So, oh, I hope so. You know, when Jeannie comes on the show next, um, maybe she can hook us up with the Pospisil interview. Yeah, hopefully, Jeannie, if you're listening, hopefully you can help us out. But we really, you know, both of us really wanted you on the show first. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Even though it was Aldwin's challenge to get you first. You know what? We share we share everything, honey bun. So Jeannie Bouchard, Jay and I are so excited to have you, but start thinking about his punishment because he is the loser of that challenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. I did you want to add anything else? Because like I'm so excited to talk about this little last segment. Yeah, no, I'm very excited to talk about it too because it's something to celebrate. Yeah. Okay, so um full disclosure I'm, I'm past these people's ages. That's what I was gonna say. I mean Jason is <laughs> a very crisp forty two. You just turned forty two, no? And four months ago, but yes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm 30 serv- 30 servin. 30 <laughs> my god, what's wrong with me? Um, someone take this bottle away. <laughs> I'm thirty seven, turning thirty eight in um, just over a month. And we just wanted to talk a little bit about the resurgence and the comeback of certain players in their late 30s and, dare I say, early 40s. And, you know, obviously we talked about Venus Williams earlier in this episode, but that girl is 4-0. She has been playing on the tour for 26 years. Like, can you imagine? I mean, she's Kamiko Date crumbing it. She's... Ka- Thank you for that. She is Kamiko Date crumbing the F out of the WTA tour. <laughs> and, you know, without repeating too much of what we already spoke about, this girl came to Lexington with a new forehand and a new serve. And, you know, I got a chance to watch her YouTube channel. She released an episode talking about, you know, what her expectations, what her, you know, um, thoughts are about the resumption of competitive tennis and she talked about her um, recent hookup with her new coach Eric Heckman who taught her obviously this new forehand and new serve and I mean 40 doesn't mean you're dead obviously but I think a lot of us you know that have been that are diehard tennis fans know that you know when you turn 40 you're thinking about retirement you're thinking about moving on to the next phase of your life but 
Miss V is still thinking about winning slams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, based on her form against her her sister Serena, who, I mean, as part of this conversation, is trying to win her 24th slam. 24th slam? She was trying to tie Margaret Court at 24, yeah. You know, 24th slam and is a mother. Like, you, there's a lot of good tennis, amazing Grand Slam winning tennis to be played in your late 30s, early 40s, when that may not have been the case 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, I think there's been like a shift. So I think, you know, earlier on when we were kids and sort of early teens watching tennis and we were watching the Hinguses and the Capriatis, these players started really, really young. Mm-hmm. And now there's been like this shift of... Uh, four or five years older where people are starting to come into their own in like 19 to 22 range, but they're able to uh, extend their career later. So, you know, Federer's 39 this year, Nadal's 34, Serena is 39, I think as well. Mm-hmm. And Venus is 40. And, you know, we can't forget uh, to talk about Kim, the yeah. Isers, who's making like her second come back you know she came back um in sort of the late late 2000 what was it 2009 she came back yeah she retired in 2007 i believe and then she yeah she came back well whatever bobby call us or (laughs) bob bobby (laughs) because we we call bobby out every week for correcting us but bobby correct us for this mistake that's gonna happen but i think she came back in 2009 yeah yeah, and she won two more Grand Slams, I think, upon her return. Yeah. And then she retired again and had two more children. So she only had one daughter when she came back, and then she had two more kids. And now she's making a comeback again. And, you know, she's at an age where she can, if if we're comparing to other um, elder states women of the game, like Venus, uh-huh. she's three years younger than her. So... And, and now, you know, she was killing it in these uh, exhibition and team tournament events. Yeah. Winter team tennis, like, let us all know. Please let us know that you watch some of the Kim Clijsters highlights of the world team tennis. She was part of the New York, New York Empire. They ended up winning the whole damn thing. You know, yes, it is a modified um, game like they don't play full sets they play to, to five but in her matchups against Collins Danielle Collins Sloane Stevens so Sophia Kennan Monica Puig she beat all of those girls like all of them and this girl's 37 has three kids is hitting the ball so cleanly and you know she has wild cards into Cincy and the U.S. Open and no one's really talking about her, but she could possibly win her. Th- like, can you imagine? She could possibly win her third U.S. Open. I think that, yeah, I think that's one of the, now that you've mentioned that, that's one of the exciting things for all of us to watch uh, as we get into these two upcoming events. Yeah. Um, I pulled a little quote from her because I thought it was so poignant. It basically describes, you know, her reasoning and her... Um, desire to play ta- play tennis play tennis having having come out of retirement now twice and she says you know this isn't for the outside this really is for me it's more drive within me where i know where i want to get 
to. And that's what has been the motivation for this because I feel like I can still play some really good tennis. That's what gave me the push to go for it. If I didn't feel like or if I didn't have the confidence that I could still play good tennis, then I would have never started this. I know I still have some good tennis left in me. Well said, Kim. And, you know, you and I, you know, if we hearken back to the last episode, you and I also need to realize that we still have some good tennis in You us. know what? Don't even read my mind. I actually was going to, because we didn't plan this, but like, yeah, I mean, you're 42. You're, you're, you're not 25. I mean, no I'm not. spring chicken is what you're saying. Yeah, you're no spring chicken. I'm no spring chicken either. And arguably, Jason is playing some of the best. Like, Jason is literally playing the best tennis of his whole life. And that's such, that is really such a good feeling that you can, um, attain new heights even as you get older like what do you think how do you feel I don't I mean I think you're giving me too much credit I don't feel like I'm playing the best because I, you're, you're still because you're playing me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well done <laughs> I mean I there's always things that we can improve on me included and I think that's that's why we just keep coming back for more yeah I mean, I, yeah, life is not over. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying this. But yeah, life is not over when you're in your late 30s. I mean, I don't know how you feel, but for a long time, I kind of got used to being, you know, the the younger of the crowd. Like if I was in a group of friends, I always ended up being like one of the younger ones. But as we get older, you know, there's still things to learn. There's still things to try there's new experiences to have and i think that you know we're gonna see what these veterans are made of when since he starts on saturday Mm -hmm. so over the next month and maybe for the rest of 2020 as we live with tennis through covid we are gonna live this motto that kim kleisters has given to us that i know i still have good tennis left in me Mm, i like it in us in us in all of us yes um okay just very quickly before we end our episode um those of you that still first of all thank you to all of those people on ig that sent your questions jason and i are going to look over the questions that you have sent us and select only the best ones to ask Jeannie. remember to keep your questions clean and nice um you know because this is not like a barbara walters interview um, but if you have any more questions, please send them to our either our our IG or to our Gmail at readyplaytennispodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And, you know, Aldwin said keep them clean because we saw some of those early questions and they weren't all clean. So <laughs> stop being nasty. Yeah. You yeah. can ask some cute. You can ask some funny questions, but don't be nasty. Yeah. We're we're the nice podcast. Yeah. We're we're cute and spunky like Bethy. Yeah. We're cute and spunky like Bethy and we're organic and orgasmic. Yeah. You all love And authentic. And authentic. <laughs> and on that note, we're gonna authentically say goodbye. Bye. Hey, it's your serve. If you love this episode, be sure to give us a five star review. And don't forget to share it with others and let them know what all the racket's about. See what I did there? And don't forget Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ready Play Tennis Podcast. See ya!